Thanks, Melinda. Well, good morning, Life Point. Isn't this weather crazy? I mean, oh, you like it? Okay, yeah. You know, it's it's it was chilly this morning. I had to put on a jacket. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, glad that you are here. You know, uh, from our outrun homelessness race just a few weeks ago, we had about a thousand in attendance. Over, I think, eight hundred ran in it. We raised sixty over sixty-eight thousand dollars for outrun homelessness to serve the homeless in Collin County. So that is awesome. Well. Several weeks ago, we started a series called The Tunnel of Chaos, where we're taking a look at suffering and loss. Two weeks ago, I introduced really the first phase of entering into a tunnel of chaos, and that is when you enter into one, your worldview changes. Everything turns upside down, and you experience numbness. You're in shock. Now, after your worldview has been turned upside down and and left you numb, you proceed to the second phase of the tunnel of chaos where you begin to feel again. This is where your heart is breaking. You begin to grieve. You you have sorrow. You're You're sad. This is what I'm going to talk about today. You see, as a pastor... I believe I'm qualified to talk on this subject matter. And that is because most of the time when people call me or email me or set up an appointment with me, it it is about losses that they're going through in their life. Very few times do I get a phone call that says, Pastor George, I just want you to know something. I got a $100,000 raise and you're going to see my back ties coming in this week, okay? I don't get phone calls like that very often. In fact, I can't even think I've ever gotten one of those, okay? But I do get a lot of calls and have a lot of appointments about people who are going through a tunnel of chaos. And this weekend, I want to share with you my ministry experiences and the things that I have learned from God's Word. In fact, I want to share five things. And I do so to equip us. God has called us to be the hands and the feet, the heart, the the eyes, the hands. He has called us to be the body of Christ for others. You may not be in a tunnel of chaos right now, but my guess is you know someone who is. And God wants to use you in helping them through that chaos. He wants to use you to give them help and hope for the hurts that they have. And so I want to share with you five things that that I've learned through almost 40 years of ministry and, and things that I've learned from God's Word. And then I want to talk about how you bring about a healing heart. Because maybe today you are in that place. So let's get started. The first thing that I'd say that I have learned is about a tunnel of chaos is this, that that loss is in unavoidable, but grief is, is an option. You and I have to choose to grieve. And I say that because a lot of people don't. They stuff it. They deny it. They go through a, 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 the, 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 the phase of a broken heart without grieving over it. It's like I said a few weeks ago. There is no life without change. And there is no change without loss. And there is no loss without pain. And a few weeks ago I said, and there is no pain without grief. 
Except that isn't really true. And that's because grief is an option. It is a choice. Well, let me explain that to us. All things, all living things change. If you are alive, you're going to go through some changes. Changes around you and changes in you. In change, you let go of some old things in order to grab on to some new things. And as a result, we're all losing things in our life. And with loss comes pain. And when pain enters into our life, you have a choice. You can either grieve it or you can choose to ignore it. Grief is a choice. You have to choose to let grief in. You have to choose to allow it to come into your life. You have to choose to feel it. Now you may sit here and you may be thinking, well, why in the world should I ever feel grief? Well, it's because grief is the key to spiritual growth. Now let me pause here just for a moment because a lot of times people think that grief is all about funerals. It is all about losing a person, a loved one, let's say. And obviously when that happens, grief occurs. But you and I literally have hundreds of losses, and I mean hundreds and hundreds of losses in a lifetime. It could be the loss of a job or the loss of your health. It could be the loss of your finances. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be a, a number of different losses. Grief just isn't tied to funerals and the loss of loved ones. Now because grief is unpleasant, most people try to avoid it. They stuff it. They just say, you know what? I'm just going to get on with my life. I'm not even going to think about it right now. Now, I want to say to you this. That is the cause of many people's problems. Unresolved, unmourned grief. Things that have happened in their past. Maybe their teenage years. Maybe their young adult years. Maybe their adult years. Things that they should have grieved over, but they didn't. And as a result, people get stuck. You see, grief is absolutely essential to your life. And so you and I must choose to grieve. The second thing that I have learned is simply this, that grief is healthy. In fact, it is the only healthy response when you and I lose things. And again, we lose all kinds of things in life. We lose jobs, we lose careers. There's infertility issues. That's a loss. Maybe an engagement that, that you had didn't come through. I, I've dealt with that one in my office. There's stillbirths. There's limbs that are lost. Folks, we have all kinds of losses. And grieving over the losses of any of those things is good. It is the only healthy response to loss because it is unhealthy to deny a loss. You see, grief, you may not realize this, but grief is the most painful emotion that you will ever experience in life. But it is also the most helpful emotion. Well, how is that, Pastor George? It's because grief is God's tool for you getting through the transitions of life. If you didn't grieve, you would be stuck. To be honest, some of you are stuck 
Today, you're stuck at maybe age 14 emotionally or age 28 or age 32 because you didn't grieve a loss, a major loss that came into your life at that time. And today, you're wondering why you are filled with anxiety. You're wondering why you're filled with different fears and phobias or low self-esteem. It's because you didn't learn how to grieve good. I mean, think about this. Jesus never sinned. And he never did anything unhealthy. And yet, Jesus grieved. He, 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 he cried. Jesus was known as a man of many sorrows. When, when Lazarus, his best friend, passed away, the scripture in the Greek says that he, he cried. That word cried means that he sobbed loudly. It wasn't just a little tear that came down his face and he just kind of wiped it aside. No, he sobbed and he grieved. Take a look in John 11. When Jesus saw Lazarus' sister sobbing and saw how all those who were, were crying also, his heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Then Jesus started crying. See how much he loved Lazarus, they said. Folks, Jesus cried. Will you write this down? Sadness is not weakness. That is an American myth. Actually, I believe weak men are those who struggle in showing their emotions. And I want to be honest with you. You know up here that I have cried at different times. Sometimes I stand out here and, and I realize the brokenness that the world has brought on his people. And sometimes it just, it weighs on my heart and I cry. I've had people come into my office sharing with me the brokenness of their lives and what's going on maybe in their relational world. And as I have talked with them and as I have prayed with them, I begin to cry. And I would have you know this. No one has ever called me a weak man before. You see, the stronger you are, the more confident you are, the more unafraid you are to show your emotions. In fact, there are two unhealthy emotions, reactions to losses that we have in life. One is called repression and the other one is called suppression. Repression is unconscious. Suppression is conscious. It is where we intentionally put painful thoughts out of our minds. We say to ourselves, you know what, I'm just not going to think about it. I'm just not going to think about that painful event. I'm just not going to think about that hurt. I'm not going to think about that loss. I'm just going to put it out of my mind and I'm just going to plow ahead. Let me say this. That is a mistake. When you and I don't grieve over a loss, truly it is a mistake. Grief is God's tool of getting you through the transitions of life. Let me explain it like this. If I don't let it out in a healthy way, I will act it out in an unhealthy way. I see a lot of adults, grown adults, who do all kinds of bizarre things behavioral-wise because they haven't grieved maybe over a workaholic dad or an alcoholic dad or an unloving mother or, or as a result of some abuse or bigotry, okay? If you don't grieve the loss, it's going to come out sideways. And oftentimes, as it does, it comes out in a very unhealthy way. Hey, here's another way to put it. When I swallow my grief, my body rejects it. 
You've heard me say this, that there's a number of reports where doctors have reported that over half the people in hospitals could leave today if they could just learn how to get over their regrets and their resentments in life. Loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice, and grief is a healthy thing. Thirdly, what I have learned in 40 plus years of ministry is that God grieves with me. In fact, the whole reason that you and I can grieve is because of God. God is an emotional God. Did you know that? Did you know that God gets sad? He does. That God gets mad? He does. That God gets jealous? He does. That God has sorrow, that he has regrets? He does. God is an emotional God, and your ability to grieve comes from him. It, it, your ability to grieve truly makes you, is what makes you different from animals. Folks, cows don't grieve. Uh, worms don't grieve. Birds don't grieve. And I want us to think about that. Because sometimes when life hits us hard, and we've experienced some kind of loss in our life, and again, it doesn't have to be death, we think, you know what? I'm not going to grieve over that. I'm just going to put my head down and I'm just going to plow through this thing. I'm just going to pretend that it never happened. Do you realize when you and I have those kinds of thoughts that we are denying the very thing that makes us human, that puts us at the top of God's creation? We are denying the very thing that makes us godlike. And so you don't want to say, I'm not going to grieve because you're not using the gifts of emotion that God has given you that makes you fully human and makes you in the image of God. Now the Bible says that you and I not only have this ability to grieve, but that God grieves with us. You see, we have a suffering God. We have a God who suffers along with us. We have a God who is sympathetic with us. When we go through pain, God is not aloof. He is not distant. And he doesn't look down on us and say, when are you going to get over that? Pfizer, why don't you just suck it up right now? No, he's not like that. Take a look at Psalms 34 and verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Will you circle the word crushed? You see, some of us here this morning, and I already know this because of conversations that I've had, are walking through a tunnel of chaos, and your heart is broken. It's easy when you've just entered into this tunnel of chaos where your worldview has been flipped upside down, and all of a sudden you begin to feel again, and you've got sorrow and sadness in your life that you, you begin to think, where was God in all this? He, he must be aloof. He must be a gazillion miles away. He's not. He's as close to you as he possibly can be on this side of eternity. The fourth thing I've learned walking with the Lord, I don't know, these past 40 plus years, is this, that grief is healed in community. Nobody gets well on their own. We're better together. He's made us for community. And when our worldview flips upside down, you need community. When your heart is breaking, you need the comfort of others. Take a look at this verse out of uh, Galatians 6 2. 
Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's saying there that when I'm in pain and grief, you are to help carry my pain and my grief. When you are in pain and grief, I am there. I am to be there to help carry yours. As you know, several weeks ago, I was just sharing some stories uh, about some tunnels of chaos that don't compare to any major losses, but some. And you know what? I had people email me. In fact, I had one guy who's from West Point, graduated from West Point, sent me the, the West Point Army Prayer of Cadets. He says, George, this line is for you. It was so encouraging. That's what we're supposed to do. You see, it's like I said last week. It's interesting, is it not? Who shows up when you are going through some kind of painful situation? And remember how I qualified that. That you're not to judge those who don't show up. Because you don't know what they may be going through themselves. You and I are just to be grateful for those who do show up. This is the Romans 12, verse 11. Take a look at this verse. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Will you circle that phrase, share their sorrow? You see, grief is healed in community. That is why I say all the time, for those of us who are in biblical communities, a church, for those of us who are maybe in a small group, revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. So as you reveal the, the feelings that you have, maybe through a loss that you're going through, that we really are able to help each other. This is the value of being in a, in a church family. And that's why I would encourage you if, you, if you haven't joined a church, hey, be a part of this one. We'd love for you to be a part, okay? And then in a family this large, it's important that you get into a, maybe a smaller family, like a small group. Because that's where you and I can really begin to express the things in a, in a heartfelt way, in a genuine, authentic way, what's going on in our lives, and we can receive help from one another. Now, I want to make a comment, because I've learned this in, in 40 years of ministry, almost 40 years of ministry, and it's this. When someone is sharing their pain, their loss, comparing never comforts. Will you write that down? Let me give you an example. This is a true example. It happened a number of years ago. I'll never forget it. <laughs> You'll know why when I say it. Someone was sharing their pain about the fact they just lost a, a, a dad. And this person responded, well, I'm really sorry that you lost your dad. I know what it's like. I lost my dog. When I heard that, I said, no, you don't. First of all, that's not even a fair comparison. It's not. But even if it was, even if they would have said, you know, I, I know how you feel. I lost my dad too. They still wouldn't know what it's like. Because everybody grieves differently. And so when you try to console by comparing, folks, it doesn't work. Individuals are different. Relationships are different. People grieve differently. But in spite of that, grief, or yes, grief is healed in community. The fifth thing that I've learned that, that God has taught me from his word is this, that grief takes time. It, it doesn't, it isn't overcome quickly. You know what, I'm just going to give this thing a week and I'm going to get back to work. Folks, that isn't how it works. 
you may have to get back to, to work in a week, yes. But grief takes time. You can't rush it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, aren't you over that yet? Hello? Let me explain that. Will you write this down? You don't get over grief. You get through it. You don't get over grief. You get through it. You and I will never get over major losses that come into our lives. But we can get through it. If you had a baby that was born and a week later, and there is a family in our church right now where this has happened, that has died. I'm going to tell you something. You don't get over that. You will remember that for the rest of your life. That will become part of your life story. But you will get through it. Grief takes time. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 4. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under, under heaven. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Well, what is the preacher of Ecclesiastes saying here? Simply this, that life is composed of opposites. You have up days and you have down days. You have good days and you have bad days. You have times when you party, okay? And you have times when you mourn. And both are legitimate. So here's a definition of maturity. Will you write this down? Maturity is when you can enter into both. If all you can do is enter into the parties of life and you don't know how to grieve, you are missing half of your life. And you won't be able to grow spiritually because you don't grow in the parties of life. You grow in the valleys of despair. And that is what the writer or the preacher of Ecclesiastes is driving at. We need both and we need to be able to experience both. Circle the phrase seasons. Grief is a season. You see, a season isn't just one day, and it's not one week. In fact, in the Bible, there is a phrase that says the time, it was a time for mourning. It's used when Moses passed away, and, they gave, and the nation of Israel gave itself 30 days to mourn for their leader. Do you realize that we as a nation took that same principle? That when our presidents die, the flag gets lowered, and it's there for 30 days. A president or a former president. It's a time of mourning. It's a season. It isn't just a day or a week. Now, you may be asking, Pastor George, why are you belaboring this point? And it's because what you and I typically do when we experience some loss in our life is that what we typically do is we try to immediately Fix it instead of grieving it. And this started out in our childhood, to be really honest. We scrape our knee, and what did our parents tell us? Don't you cry. Mommy will put a Band-Aid on it and go back out and play. Don't cry? What do you mean don't cry? I got a big gash. It required three stitches. Blood is gushing out, okay? I say this because you and I need to be careful what we are telling people to stuff. We could be communicating to them that what's most important is what you stuff and not the pain that you are going through. Well, if, if you don't try to immediately fix it, then Pastor George, what do you do? You lament. 
Lamenting is acknowledging, accepting, and feeling the pain. Once you acknowledge and accept and feel the pain, guess what? You're going to get through it. For some of us here, you've had painful moments in your life. And instead of acknowledging it and accepting it and feeling it, you lowered your head and you said, I'm just going to plow through this thing. And as a result, you're stuck today. And that stuckness is coming out sideways in a lot of weird ways. And what you were trying to do back then is that you were trying to get past the hurt as opposed to going through the hurt. You see, we have to do what the Bible says. The Bible says that we must lament, that we must cry out to God with our hurt, with our pain, with our loss, with our complaints. We need to tell God how we feel. Several weeks ago, I introduced four stories of people going through the tunnel of chaos. I'd like us to take a look as we continue their stories this morning. My heart was broken, and I was so sad at the rejection feeling and the, um, the loss of a husband, my best friend, the possibility of losing my family to a brokenness that, that just created such sorrow in my, in just within my whole being. After getting over the shock of what had happened, I found myself really withdrawing and not really wanting to deal with anybody or anything around me. I'm so thankful that God used our friends and family's strength to see us through such a dark time in our lives. I always knew that God had a plan for Reed and our family, but I couldn't understand why it was taking so long. I found myself being very mad at God for putting my family through this when we have tried so hard. It's amazing what something like this can do to your family turmoil you can go through when you're having to deal with crisis in your life. Our home literally felt toxic. Once the shock wore off, the emotions started setting in of loneliness, feeling sorry for myself, insecurity about my future. I didn't realize how much I identified as being Rick's wife. I depended on him for so many things and just even little things like not being able to turn the television set on or record a program or something breaking at the house was so frustrating to me and I would just start crying uncontrollably. I began to cry because I thought this might be the end of my life and I felt uh, very distressed. I felt very lonely that maybe someone else would have to take care of my family and I didn't want that. I wanted to be here to be able to do those things. One day, my husband came home and uh, gave me a laundry list of all the things that I was doing wrong in the relationship. I worked very hard trying to do the things that would make him happy, but nothing seemed to nothing seemed to work. Later, I found out from a friend that he was having an affair. I was devastated. I love my family so much, and I did not want it to break up. But I knew we had to do something. So we went to counseling, began to work on uh, things that each of us were bringing to this relationship. The counseling 
counselor recommended that we separate. And after about a year, I realized that he was still having an affair. So we got a divorce and I had to get my life back together. After many years of being a stay-at-home mom, I had to move into a smaller house and I went back to school to become a teacher. It's taken me many years to get my life back together. I honestly can tell you that I'm at peace today because of my relationship with the Lord. It's You see, as you're going through a tunnel of chaos and you get out of that numb feeling or n that numb state, feelings begin to kick in. And did you notice how they weren't denying them? They were expressing them. Grief is a choice and it's healthy. And as you and I do that, it helps us to get through the tunnel of chaos. How does that happen biblically? How do you move forward? Well, if you're going through a tunnel of chaos today and your heart is breaking over something, let me share with you biblically four things that you can do. The first one is simply this, that I need to make a list of the losses that I haven't grieved over. You need to go back over and do a little inventory on your life losses. And maybe what you will discover are some Times of rejection, major rejections in your life, or long-term illness, or a loss of a job, or a home, or the, the loss, truly the loss of a loved one. You see, what are the losses in your life where you have said, you know what, I'm just going to put my head down and I'm just going to plow through this? Those are the ones that you want to list. You want to start by listing the losses that you have never grieved over. And you might ask the question, why is that? Well, let me ask you this. How many of us here would love to have our futures blessed? May I see your hands? Folks, we all would, wouldn't we? Jesus said this, that grief is the key to blessing. On the Sermon of the Mount, in Matthew 5, verse 4, he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Who gets comforted? Those who have the courage to mourn. You see, what he's saying in that one little verse there, I mean, it is impactful. Let me put it this way, because I think this fits our 21st century culture. Will you write this down? Cover-ups don't comfort. And if you and I don't get comforted, we don't get blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. If you want God's blessing on your life, you've got to grieve good. So how do you do that? Well, think of it like this. Think of it like a cut on your arm. Let, let's say it's a, it's a half-inch deep cut. Folks, if you and I just simply put a Band-Aid over that, more than likely what we are doing is we are covering up infection. And over a period of time, and not a very long period of time, you might lose your arm. You could lose your life. Well, guess what? Sometimes we do that with painful losses in our life. What we do is we just cover them up. We put a Band-Aid on them. We think, well, that person's walked out of my life. That's okay. I'm just going to go out and find another one. 
And so what we need to do to cleanse the wound is we need to do a little inventory and clean it out. Now, why is it? That makes sense physically. Why is it that we have a hard time uh, not grieving over the losses of our life? Let me give you just one word. Fear. We're afraid. We're, we're fearful that we might be overwhelmed with emotions. Well, guess what? If you are, so what? Big deal. It's not going to kill you. There's times when I've said, watching a TV, and Cheryl's watching, and she's kind of into the movie, and I'm crying over there, and she says, George, are you crying? Yes, I am. Why are you crying? I don't know. It just reminded me something of my past. I'm just, you'll get over it. Sometimes we're afraid that we, uh, of ourselves, that we might not recover. You will. Sometimes we're afraid that we're going to lose our minds. You won't. You will if you keep it a secret. But you won't if you grieve properly. You see, if you're afraid of your emotions, can, can I look at Psalms 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Read that again. Even though I walk through, will you circle that word? The valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You see, what I am <clears throat> asking you to do is to consider the thing that you have never grieved over and walk through it. And don't be afraid of it. Circle the word shadow. You see, shadows scare us, don't they? But they don't hurt us. I, I can remember growing up uh, in a neighborhood and they built a house next to us, a two-story house, and, and I was at the top story. We had a two-story house as well. And the shadow of the next house, I'd never seen it before, it came in through the window, scared me to death. But shadows don't hurt, do they? You can be walking on a sidewalk, and there can be this big truck that has this large shadow that overcasts onto the sidewalk on which you're walking. And what happens? You just walk right through it, don't you? It doesn't hurt you at all. Folks, you and I don't have to be afraid of the, of the, of the, the shadows of loss. God says, I'll be with you. You see, understand something. Not once are you and I told to weep not, to cry not, to sorrow not, to grieve not. But we are told 365 times in the Bible to fear not. Why? Because grief doesn't paralyze. Fear does. The fear of your emotions is actually what paralyzes you at whatever emotional state that is that creates all kinds of dysfunctional behavior in our lives. It's not grief. It's fear. fear. Grief is God's way of getting you and I through the transitions of life to become mature, to, to, to have a well-developed spirit. The second thing that God's Word says about how to get through a broken heart is this, identify what I've really lost. I gotta go back and I gotta look at what I really lost. I gotta go deeper beyond the obvious. What did I really lose having a workaholic dad? 
What did I really lose by being laid off? What did I really lose when my folks got a divorce? Did I lose support? Did I lose stability? Did I lose my identity? Did I lose significance? Did I lose trust? Did I lose encouragement? You have to go back and you have to look beyond the obvious and say, when that event happened, that loss that happened in my life, what did I really lose? And that is what you grieve. The third thing that I've learned in 40 plus or almost 40 years of ministry out of God's word and how to get through a broken heart is simply this, that you have to have the courage to lament. Now, lament is not a word that we use in our culture very often, okay? So what does lament mean? It is this. It is a, it is a passionate expression of grief to God. It is a passionate expression of grief to God where I may cry out to God, where I may yell to God, where I may weep, where I may cry, where I, where I may yell. It is a passionate expression of grief to God. Now, you may not realize this, but a lament is actually an act of worship. It is an act of worship that can include complaining and arguing to God. You're kidding me, Pastor George. You mean, you mean I can complain to God and it would be an act of worship? Yes, some of you have that gift. <laughs> Just kidding. You see, you can complain to God and that is an act of worship. But when you complain about God, that is an act of rebellion. And that is what we do far too often. But God says, you know what? It's okay to complain to me. Why? Because, folks, God can handle it, can't he? God is like a parent. A, a parent can handle the tenter tantrums of someone less mature than them, can't they? Why is that? Because they know the pain that that child is going through. Folks, God can handle your complaints because he knows. All he's wanting you to do is to get it off your chest. And it's interesting, as you go through the Bible, the Bible is full of laments, complaints to God. And I love that. I love that about God. I love the fact that he's, he's put laments in the Bible, that he hasn't just whitewashed negative emotions. He hasn't just covered them up. He hasn't just denied them. Why? It's because God knows that life isn't just a bed of roses. That life at times is challenging. And like the Bible says, there is a time to dance and there is a time to mourn. And God says to be fully alive, you and I have to accept it all. If we only accept the parties of life, guess what? We're only living half of a life. Truly, truly, the depth of our person and the flavor of our life comes as you and I walk through the tunnels of life. And so the Bible includes it, laments. In fact, there is a whole book of the Bible 
called the Book of Lamentations. It's where Jeremiah is complaining to God about the fact that the temple has been destroyed. Jeremiah loved the temple. He loved where God resided and where people came to worship. And it just ticked him off. And so he just expresses his complaint to God. I've been going through the Psalms as I'm going through the Bible again in, in the, sec, the second time this year. The book of Psalms has 150 Psalms in it. 65 of them are laments where David and others are taking their complaints to God. And God says, guess what? That's okay. It is an act of worship because you're talking to me about it. So here's your assignment for this next month. You can read all 150 Psalms in a month. It's about three Psalms a morning or whenever you choose to read the Bible. And I wanna encourage you to do that. And as you go through, underline those things that encourage you and underline those things that you identify with. And then finally, you need to ask Jesus to heal your broken heart because he understands and he made you. Psalms 103, verse 13 and 14. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who honor him, for he understands how weak we are. You see, God understands our humanity more than we do. And yet God says, hey, in your humanity, it's okay to talk to me about it. It's okay to say, I'm hurting, I'm scared, I'm grieving. God, I just lost my job and I'm feeling really insecure right now. God, that engagement that I thought was going to bring me into marriage, it's over with and my heart is hurting. God, the divorce is final now and I feel so alone. God, I want to have a baby. And there's a void. And when you talk to God about those things, God doesn't say, when are you going to get over it? When are you going to stop crying? Pfizer, are you a crybaby? What's going on? No, he's tender and he's compassionate and he's understanding. This is the gospel. God chose to leave heaven above and enter into man's brokenness. That, he, that we might understand that he is a compassionate God, an understanding God. Jesus' very first sermon in Luke chapter 4 was this. God has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Folks, this is the gospel. God cares for us. He created us to love us. And he wants us to love him back. He wants us to see that he is there with us as we walk through the, the, the valleys and the shadows of loss. And remember this. Wherever there is a shadow, there is a source of light. This too is the gospel. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The question is this, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the shadow? Or are you going to focus in on Jesus? And establish a relationship with the God who wants to enter into your world to help you navigate some of the greatest challenges that you've experienced, that you are in, and that you will experience. Let's pray.
Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you that you chose to enter in to our world, that we might know who you are, that we might understand your heart, that we might see in you a father who is tender and compassionate, one who wants to walk alongside of us as life happens. The good times, rejoicing with us as we prosper and as we rejoice, but also mourn with us when we experience loss and suffering. Today, I don't know where you're at, but if you haven't invited Christ into your life to help you with the challenges that you've gone through, that you're going through, that you will go through, I can't think of a better time to do it than right now. None of us knows for sure what tomorrow might bring. But we know the one who does know. And we know that he is able to put our worlds right side up. He is able to heal our broken hearts. Today, will you just drop Christ from your head to your heart? You've known a lot of things about him. Now, now have a relationship with him. Just say this in the quietness of your heart, God, I admit that I've been one who's tried to do life by myself. Even though I've known some things about you, known that you're out there, God, I wanna invite you in to my world. I wanna invite you into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross to express that you're a suffering God. God who likes to suffer and a God who sympathizes with our brokenness. Thank you that you resurrected from the grave to prove that what you said in your word about every aspect of life, from the good times, the party times, to the not so good times, that you know about it and that you are there to help. And so this morning, if you prayed that prayer, simple as it was, God heard you, would you just let me know on your communication card by just writing maybe your name, maybe an email address and the letter A circling it saying that I've accepted Christ. I've dropped him from my head to my heart. I want him in my world as I walk through the various challenges that bring chaos into me. So God, we give you this. We thank you for your presence, for your power, for your peace that you so abundantly give us through your son, Jesus Christ. So we give you this in your son's name. Amen.